When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. We got a lot of eyes on Kurt. You know, you got Clint in there, you got me in there, you got Kevin who's coach quarterbacks and Rick Dennison who's coach quarterbacks. And I think as as coaches, you're always trying to find out what your guy does best, how you help him play at his his best. So uh, you know, making quick decisions, getting rid of the football in this league, you know, you just can't you can't talk about that enough because it's a game where if you hold the ball, bad things happen. So you know, we just tried to put a big point of emphasis on that, and, and the way Kevin has called games, I, I think has been the most important thing with uh, how Kurt's been able to translate that to Sundays. That's Gary Kubiak. This is Purple Daily on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. If the voice didn't give it away, you can uh, stream us live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook at Score North, and you will see quite clearly, I am not Matthew Collar. I am not tall, blonde, skinny, and blue-eyed. I am short, portly, and uh, brunette with brown eyes. I am the exact opposite of Matthew Collar, but we do have Sage Rosenfels, our journeyman QB here at Score North alongside for the hour. Sage, how are you this afternoon, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, historic day in America. The Vikings coming off that huge one in a hundred win on Sunday. Historic so. day in America. Well, week. You know that that okay. well, one in a hundred. It was okay. one in a hundred that uh, that comeback. So we should still so be on... celebrating that today. Is this I, a, I think so. A that was a big deal. A week long <laughs> national holiday. Yeah, I tell you what, we've been waiting for the the Kirk Cousins to like lead us to the promised land in a big game uh, where they're down and. It happened. Okay. So I'm, I'm you, super excited about You bring it. up two things that I've talked about with Collar and others. I had some things scheduled. We'll get to those, though. But you bring up two things that, that, that I think are interesting. One is that Collar, among others, would try to poo-poo that win, dismiss it, because it's a bad football team in the Denver Broncos. I feel the same way that you do, that you're the first team to do it in a hundred tries. There have got to be bigger underdogs who had bigger leads against better teams than the Minnesota Vikings in the past who held on to those leads over the course of those hundred games. That's impressive no matter who you did it against, and I think that's a good Denver defense that you did do it against, Sage. It, it, it was, and, and the nice thing about it was, you know, I, I think what's... You could probably, what Collar would maybe do, as you would say, to try to maybe chill the enthusiasm a little bit, is say, you know what, they basically scored three touchdowns in the second half. You know, if they just basically executed better and, and, you know, the defense uh, let a couple guys open deep, which is bad defense, and which is true. And, and, you know, Kirk did a really nice job, but he didn't have to do anything amazing. I mean, you know, the things that we've seen over the years from other quarterbacks, amazing play of, you know, Rodgers, you know, double Hail Mary to win that one or, you know, bring that game to play. 
playoffs or, you know, things like that, right? Miracle-type things. And Kirk didn't do that, but what he did was execute a really high level. And this offense executed uh, at a really high level when it had to, when it had to sort of be perfect. And that, I think, is very exciting to go, you know what, uh, when, when things are hitting on all cylinders and, and maybe it doesn't always happen for a half, but uh, you know, against that same defense and they come out and, and get those little details and they do hit those things. I mean, Kirk can you know, be super accurate deep down the field uh, and, uh, and he's mobile enough and this offense is just good enough. They've got a lot of really – I mean, we're, they're missing their number one rider series, number, number, number one, number two you know, with Thielen, and, and yet, boom, to do that, uh, that says a lot about the other guys as well. Is, is it's, That makes this thing you know, interesting as we go – down this playoff run here, uh, you know, coming uh, December coming up. And the other thing that you brought up, which I, I've discussed with others, I think I brought this up with you when you joined us on Mackie and Judd with Rami, and you do that every uh, Thursday at about 420 on that show, which is that I, a lot of people were saying, hey, Kirk finally did it. Kirk finally pulled off the fourth quarter comeback. And I said basically that game, and people say I'm being a Kirk hater when I say this, but I'll give you the flip side of it too, Sage. That game proved to me what I've said about Kirk Cousins all along, which is that he is exactly as good as what is going on around him. And in the first half, a lot of things were going wrong around him, and Kirk Cousins didn't look great. Second half, things started going better around him, and Kirk Cousins looked a whole lot better. So I don't give him a ton of credit. He deserves his share of the credit for that comeback win on Sunday. And like I said, I was impressed by the Vikings being able to pull that off. But I also don't give him the blame in a game like what we saw in Kansas City, where Everything went wrong around him for four quarters, and he couldn't do quite enough to overcome that. I'm not. Well, well I, listen. There's some quarterbacks out there who can sometimes make up for, uh, you know, missed blocks and, and a lack of execution by fellow teammates, right. and and that's how you say a quarterback makes his team better. You know, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, obviously Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, the thing he does, Deshaun Watson, even like Carson Wentz and Matt, Matt Stafford, and, and those types of guys. Kyler Murray, those guys can make things happen. Uh, when the pocket breaks down. Kurt is just not great at that. Occasionally he does, but more often than not, plays over and hopefully doesn't fumble we move on we punt, it mm-hmm. seems like, most of the time. Which, to me, goes to show of, uh, as I came onto the show here at 2 o'clock, you had Gary Kubiak's words. And, man, that brought me back. Brought me back because I, I listened to that guy <laughs> talk for three years. And I hope that – I wish that he could be, uh, uh, you know, in more press conferences or more – uh, uh, you know, times he gets interviewed because I think uh, p- people who love the Vikings can see why Mike Zimmer would you know speak so highly of him just a week ago. Said he's the greatest thing that's happened to him in his football life. Yeah, and you listen to that guy or in and, his you know, life. I think he's um, he's he's. I don't know. There's just something about it that uh, the way he talks and the way he coaches and the way he thinks and and what I always believed in that offense, his style of offense, and since he was a backup quarterback himself. Uh, for most of his career, that, you know, as a, as a play caller, as an offensive coordinator, you want to make the job as easy as possible for your quarterback. It's a hard position. Mm-hmm. The, it's a position that has to make all these decisions. They get the ball pretty much in every play. They, there's, you know, a lot of bad things can happen in football. And so it's, it's a super important position. And I think what Gary's belief is, is how can we make it as easy as possible for any quarterback, even the best ones, I th- you know you're seeing that with sort of Aaron Rodgers now, sort of going back to a little more traditional under center in Green Bay. Like, let's make it easier on Aaron and not try to put the weight of the whole world 
on his back to like carry us in these shootouts all the time. And I think what they do with, with Kirk is that they try to make the game sort of easier for him. And when things are executed, man, he is extremely accurate. He doesn't miss very often. He has a big arm. Um, he obviously can sort of manage the game from you know be, being smart enough to know what's going on and the checks and the audibles and all those types of things. But he's not a playmaker. He's an executor. And and when the other guys are executing, man, he can re, he really shows uh, how how good he can be if the pieces around him are all working in, in in good order. And and when they're not, we you know we sort of see the worst of Kirk Cousins, and that's sort of the if you want the, the, the dichotomy of the uh, of him or, or what uh, the conversation about him for you know pretty much since he's been in the NFL. And the funny thing about my my Kirk Cousins takes age is that after the Chiefs game, I'm I'm getting accused of being a Kirk defender, a Kirk lover, and then after this past game on Sunday, I'm getting accused of being a Kirk hater and not wanting to give him any credit. I feel like when I say what I say about Kirk Cousins, it's literally the coldest most neutral take a sports talk radio can have in Minneapolis about Kirk Cousins. I don't get why it draws such criticism from, from both sides of the aisle, so to speak, well, when we I have will that say conversation. This. Yeah, I will say this. When the pieces around him are executing at a high level, man, uh, he, he's a really good quarterback yeah. and, uh, and a lot of fun to watch. And I think you know, uh, if you want to go back to you know, the decision to give him the big contract, uh, I think the decision to bring in Gary Kubiak, uh, and that obviously, and, and you're seeing what I also love is you see Gary's respect for Kevin Stefanski. Mm-hmm. I mean, he talked about the play caller, the guy who's calling these plays to put his quarterback in a good position, because uh, if the quarterback is successful, the offense is successful. And Kevin Stefanski has done an excellent job for the most part this year uh, of that, and and I think that should be noted because that's not an easy job to try to be sort of perfect and realize, like, you know, if we, we screw up one time, we get one sack, we get when one guy misses or whatever, you know, we, 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 we they don't do a good job of coming back on, uh, from second and 17s or, or third and 12s. That's that's just a really bad place for them to be in. But, you know, other guys in the league, guys like Russell Wilson and, and uh, you know, Pat Mahomes, those types of guys, like, hey, we, we, you know, we got a decent chance of making something happen because those guys have such athletic ability to buy time and, and possibly work something down the field. It's Purple Daily here on Score North. Rami Makhlouf in the TCL Broadcast Studios along with Sage Rosenfels. Uh, there's an article up at, since we're talking about quarterback play, and that is your area of expertise, Sage, at SI.com about a possible drought in quarterbacks about to hit the NFL. And I'll spare you all the machinations and details of how we got to this point. We know how we got to this point. Injuries, retirements, etc. over the last few years to some big-name quarterbacks. But I'll get to the meat of the article where they say, I count nine teams, Dolphins, Patriots, Chargers, Broncos, Bengals, Titans, Bears, Panthers, Buccaneers, who could be in need of premium starting quarterback talent next year. And uh, they compare that to... Uh, by they say by 2020 you'll have at least nine vacancies. Compare that to the start of 2018, when in their eyes nearly every team's quarterback situation seemed settled. Are we headed for, or are we in the midst of a quarterback drought? And if so, how did we get there, Sage? Um, that's a really good question. I really Thank thought you. about that. I have not like uh, I'm not like a commodities trader, so I'm not looking at futures and all these types <laughs> of things you know, down the road. 2022, you know, I, I got this list of the 32 best quarterbacks in the league uh, sitting in front of me, and I, as I go down it, you know, the fact that Tom Brady is at 15 and Jacoby Brissett's at 16. That makes me feel really good because I think those guys are good players. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but yet, as you get to that sort of second half of that list, uh, the thing that really sticks out at me 
Teddy Bridgewater is going to get a huge contract. Yes, <laughs> that's that's the deal. Is that if Teddy, uh, you know, Breeze stays healthy and Teddy's uh, sort of proven that he can be a winner, he's going to get a huge contract. We'll, we'll see what that what that number is. But you know, I don't know. I, I think there's always your half dozen at the bottom, uh, somewhere between you know five and ten teams, or sort of at least feeling that they should they'd like to upgrade. You know, uh, I think everyone knows there's a difference between uh, you know twenty five and ten. And you'd like to be in that top 10, even top 15. I, I sort of always had this belief of if you have one of the top half quarterbacks in the league, you've got a chance to win the Super Bowl. Uh, if you don't, it's going to be one of those rare situations like those, uh, you know, the, the Dilfer and, and uh, the Ravens or, you know, one of those things where the quarterback wasn't great and they won a Super Bowl. Uh, they usually are. So it's, it's a constant journey to try to find them. I, I, I do think this, the success level, of uh, 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 guys like, um, um, let, me, let me look here, Garden Minshew, uh, mm-hmm. of that, that air raid offense, um, and, uh, and, and obviously the kid at Arizona, I'm, I'm Kyler, Kyler Murray. Murray. Yeah. All right, those guys, I mean, Kyler Murray, you know, five years ago or ten years ago, no one would, a guy that's 5'9 or 5'10, no chance he's going to be in the NFL. Maybe he can play something else, you know. Yeah. Uh, I do think now that, Teams are going to go, hey, there are other ways to win. Lamar Jackson is not a great thrower. He's becoming a better thrower for sure, but he's so electric, and there are guys in college football, and I think the NFL is going to start looking to those guys, and we're going to find some teams that have untraditional uh, good quarterback you know, style play, winning quarterback style play. That's not always great thrower, and I think we're seeing that uh, with some of the teams who have good, decent runners. And so maybe some of these, you know, would you say nine guys or whatever who nine teams looking to possibly upgrade on on a quarterback for for various reasons? Maybe they start going that route of untraditional uh, and see if it works. Do you think defenses are are catching up to offenses in this league, or is it just the the rapid succession of guys in the last few years who have retired or been injured and and therefore are not playing in the game today? Well, yeah, there are these sort of older guys who have been playing for a long time. You know, Eli, the 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 big three of Rivers and Eli and Roethlisberger, uh, Tom Brady's in there, Breeze is in there. I mean, it's I think also just players have played for a really long time, and that's sort of a I think a newer thing than before. And just for whatever reason, this specific sort of age group of about a five year stretch there, there are guys who have just lasted a really long time, and I think that's just a credit to them. Those are just great players, and they're also built to last. Other than Drew Brees, they're pretty big guys, and and you can play you know sometimes a long time this league if you can take the hits. And those guys have all obviously been super successful and great throwers of the football. But uh, you know at some point age will catch up to you, and and those guys will have to be replaced. And and I, I think I do. I'm looking forward to a league that has various styles of sort of playmaking quarterbacks because it's fun to watch guys uh, who make things interesting. Kyler Murray definitely, uh, you know, I pay good money to watch him, uh, you know, play quarterback for, for my football team. So it sounds like you think it's just a matter of time before the, the void, so to speak, is filled if there is one in quarterback play right now. Is that an overreaction to say that we're headed for a quarterback drought in the NFL like this article says? I think well, I can see there. It's, you know, it's always sort of a roller coaster. It's like coaching the coaching carousel. Sometimes it's like three guys get fired, and sometimes it feels like it's eight or ten guys <laughs> get fired. Right? So it doesn't. You know, I don't know. It's hard to predict the future. Brady says he might play for four more years. I mean, you know, who knows? Who knows how Drew Brees, uh, how long he wants to play for? So uh, yeah, I think you just don't know. There's usually guys like Gardner Minshew who uh, end up, you know, like that's the type of guy who could end up being starter uh, for some other football team or, you know, Mason Rudolph. Maybe he gets a little bit better. 
better. I, you know, I, you have no idea, but I think there's always an ebb and flow, and there's always teams looking to upgrade. It seems like there's about five to ten teams every year that you know wish they had a better quarterback. And you know, the Vikings, you could have that weird conversation of like, well, uh, you know, what do they do with Kirk? He's going to have one more year left on his to. deal. That's yeah. that gets us to that that whole part of you know. Uh, after that, uh, was it the second game of the season, uh, the, the Packer game? You're like, man, what is like? What do the Vikings do now? Because this is, you know, we've been through, uh, you know, 18 games of this, and it's not, uh, it's not looking like this is a good investment. But then, you know, fast forward 10 weeks later, and and things are looking pretty dang good. So we'll, we'll you know, we'll see what happens in that situation. Because that is always the thing you have to look at, regardless of what you're talking about, whether it's going and finding a new job or breaking up with your girlfriend, you have to ask yourself, what are my options if I get out of this current situation? And Man, I would not have said that. I would not have looking to upgrade. <laughs> she knows I'm a comedian. She's cool with it. But, I, but that really is something that you have to consider, because I know most Vikings fans, up until the last five or six weeks, they, they look at $28 million, and a guy who's probably not going to want to take a pay cut, because that's not the way the NFL works, and, and you go, I don't know if I want to get in to Kirk Cousins for $28 million a year or more for another two or three years, but then you look around at the options and you go, I don't, I don't, I, maybe, maybe that is a good deal when you look at well, what, what the know, other I, choices are around the league. I, I will say this. I, I think after the season, the Vikings need to look at, you know, do they want to draft somebody? Like, do, even if they want Kirk, obviously, for, for next year, which I would assume they would mm-hmm. at this rate, and maybe do an extension with him, but. You know, do they have an interest if the right player falls to them and they think they can, you know, that that player can be productive in this offense and be sort of the guy of the future and maybe even an upgrade, you know, maybe some more athletic that actually fits the offense a little bit better, uh, you know, because of more athleticism that, you know, is, is that player available? And, and will they, you know, be in those situations where they draft somebody and even though they, you know, they, they, they're happy with the quarterback situation, but, you know, why not uh, start to get a guy ready for the future, even if you, again, had to, you know, sign, you know, add another year onto Kirk's contract or something like that and, and have that guy sit for two years. I think there's going to be some interesting options, and either way, uh, it's nice that Kirk is playing so well. Uh, and uh, and making that contract uh, you know much easier to swallow. You brought up Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater in that same situation a couple of times. And and speaking of options, there, do you see decline in Drew Brees? And do you think that if the Saints see decline in Drew Brees and they see the end is near for him, maybe another year or two of productive quarterback play out of Brees, that maybe they just start on the future and say it's been real, Drew Brees, and and move on and keep Teddy Bridgewater as their starting quarterback, or do you think that's that's maybe too much of a reach? You know, I I got to think uh, that Drew and the team, it won't be one of those situations where if they decide they would like to move on, I think they'd, they'd all be honest with each other. I would assume that they'd be probably pretty fine with Drew coming back. Uh, I think he still plays at a, at a, a good level and a, a level where you can win championships. He's got all that experience. He just doesn't have that big arm as you get older. Uh, his not his arm's not getting any stronger. He never had arm ar- a, a strong arm in the first place. And so, um, you know, if they can find someone that they think is better, visit Teddy Bridgewater, who I believe is a free agent after he the is. year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they'd have to you know give up uh, a big number to him. So, I think they're just going to have to have a an honest conversation. And I can see Drew if he feels like he this is this is it for him. Um, I, I can see him being you know fine if that's what the, you know what's whatever's best for the team. He is a truly like what's whatever whatever's best for the team. I feel like you know a uh, type of player. So 
Um, you know, I guess we'll see. I, I haven't thought much about, about it too much, being that I, what I believe and what I saw a couple of years ago with the Minneapolis Miracle was that, uh, you know, he has a really good, young, pretty young football team. And I think I always thought that would probably motivate him to play, you know, two, three, four years more, uh, because you know this is a, a window that the Saints, you know, probably in my opinion, the most uh, athletic and talented Saints team that he's probably had since he's been there. But you're not going to pay two starting quarterback salaries, right? So they're going to be faced no. with the decision of do we want to keep Teddy Bridgewater or do we want to ride this out with Drew Brees at the end of the season? That's what they're facing at this point, right? Yeah, they are facing that. And again, I, I you know, I haven't watched the Saints enough. Uh, and watched Breeze enough after he obviously got hurt and, and missed that, whatever, it was a month or so. Um, and so, you know, but my guess is that you know, he's, they still think pretty highly of him as a quarterback. I know the first game he came back, he threw the ball like 45 times and for three touchdowns and a, and a really nice win. So uh, I think he's got some left in the tank. He stays in incredible shape. I don't think there's a quarterback out there who might be in better shape, uh, other than maybe Lamar Jackson or something, or you know Deshaun Watson. The way those guys run around, but Drew keeps himself in great shape uh, for a guy who's 40 years old, and I think can play for a couple more years if he so chooses to. Sometimes you see a guy like Drew Brees. At least I do, and this is probably the worst in me coming out and just jealousy and whatever else, whatever other bad qualities I have, Sage. But you look at him and you go. That guy really real, like because like, he seems he seems too perfect. He always says and does the right thing. Like you said, he seems like the ultimate team player and whatever is best for the team and a great leader. He does the rah rah speeches and gets the whole huddle going before the game. But you're saying that that's that's real. That that's no, that's really well, who that yeah, dude is. It's, that guy, you know, I mean, he is authentic. He. Uh, I think players, he, he is so driven himself and he has such a high, um, sort of, a, uh, he has a high level of expecting himself to be at the highest, highest levels. And I think everyone just sort of raises their level to try to match, you know, Breeze. He's very serious when it comes to sort of being on the field. And, but also he has a sort of lighter side of him that, you know, people seem to enjoy. Uh, he sort of has the, like, he's got, a, he's had a good thing going. And, uh, I, I remember talking to Marquise Tuyasa Sopo. Remember that name? He was well a second pronounced. round draft. Well, well pronounced. Marquise Tuyasasopo. Well he was a again. second round pick my year, 2001, and they played in the uh, Rose Bowl together. And, uh, you know, Breeze is coming off, uh, uh, you know, a career at, at Purdue, uh, not at really a football school at that time, and now they're in the Rose Bowl. And Breeze got hurt. Uh, it was sometime around halftime or whatever. And to, I think that Washington was, was behind, but they were coming back or they maybe they took the lead. And Tuyasa Sopo told me this story. I don't know if it was the combine or, or where it was. And he said, when, when Drew came back out of the huddle and the whole crowd cheered and he sort of jogged out and like looked like he was going to play or start warming up. He's like, I knew at that, a lot of people knew at that moment we were probably going to lose. <laughs> like there's just something magnetic about him. And, uh, uh, and I don't know, that's one of those things. How do you describe that? Right? How do you see that at the combine? How do you see at these, these private workouts or interviews that whatever that is, uh, you know, Breeze has it and, and a lot of his grit and hard work and dedication and, and, uh, and the ability for, you know, those, those authentic moments for guys who really trust him. That, t- that stuff takes a lot of time and, and, uh, you know, players seem to always love playing with them. That's Sage Rosenfeld, Score North's journeyman QB. I'm Rami Maclaw.
Goff in for Matthew Collar. It's Purple Daily. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, yes, the Vikings are off this weekend, but there are things to watch for. We'll ask Sage what he'll be looking for in uh, Seattle's game this weekend. A scouting report from Sage Rosenfels and Purple Daily returns on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Score North download here. Jonathan here. Listen to Score North with Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd with Rami, and much, much more. Just say, Alexa, open Score North. Gary Kubiak yesterday talked to the media for the first time in a while and talked about his role within the offense and game planning with Kevin Stefanski. Here's what he had to say. You know what? It's really been special. Um, You know, I know it's a unique, uh, I guess, title or job in this league, but does them and Rick could give me a chance to do that. But, you know, it's been fun for me. It's, um, you know, I'm able to sit there with Kevin each day as we game plan and get ready to to go go do things. I'm able to be with him in his ear, you know, on a play-to-play basis as he calls the game on Sunday. So I think it's been really exceptional. We got a, a really good blend of experience on our coaching staff. I'm talking offensively and some bright young minds. So those things go together, and Kevin's the one that's really pulled everybody in the same direction and done a great job with it. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily because we've got a three-hour special Mackie and Judd with Rami. And stay tuned for that because we'll tell you how you can get your hands on a pair of Gophers hockey tickets for this Friday. Gophers versus the Badgers. Really? Yep. I did not know that. We've yeah. got a couple pair of them, a couple pairs of them to give away during the show today. But bonus hour, like he said, of Mackie and Judd with Rami. It starts at 3 o'clock and will go until 6. But it is Purple Daily. Rami in for Matthew Collar in the TCL broadcast. Studios on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app, as well as streaming live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. Vikings off this weekend, Sage Rosenfels, but the Seahawks aren't, and that's who the Vikings will face in a big test a week from Sunday in primetime. If I'm a fan sitting at home on my couch, I don't know as much about football as Sage Rosenfels. What am I watching for in that Seahawks game as it relates to, from a scouting perspective, for the Vikings a week from now? Well, you know, I think you'll look at uh, you know their um, their offense and how it matches up with our defense, and you know that's been. If you look at, there's various issues with the Vikings. Every team has their strengths and pot, you know, strengths and negatives. And one of those that has been a regular concern in recent weeks, and really a lot of the year, is the man-to-man guys on the outside, those cornerbacks, and you know how are they going to match up with these receivers? You know, this team wants to run the football. They're they're pretty high in the league in rushing and throwing the ball. Which last year there was more of a rushing team and less of a throwing team. And Brian Schottenheimer and, and Russell Wilson have been, have been fantastic this year, both in the top ten in both those categories this year. But on the outside, they lose Tyler Lockett. And that's a huge loss for him. He would have he severely broke his leg or something, or maybe his knee or his ankle last week. Something something bad. I know he had up in I think in the hospital. But mm-hmm. now they have this rookie DJ Metcalf who is this sort of monster of a, a wide receiver type body. I mean, he's really big. He's extremely fast. He's a big play guy. He, they, they like to throw him vertical balls down the field. He's averaging 17 yards 
you know, per catch. But you know, who who are going to be those those other receivers? And and I, I got to think that really helps the Vikings out with that Tyler Lockett, you know, loss. And and you know, maybe uh, to me the difference maker uh, in this football game, they can you know they can try to double DJ uh, DK Metcalf and and try to single up uh, on the on the other side and, and maybe try to find a guy who matches up best with the number two and number three receivers for the Seattle Seahawks. You bring up that that secondary of the Vikings. I did want to ask you about this. Everybody is talking about, you know, you get the bye week, you make adjustments in the bye week on the things that you've struggled on. The Vikings secondary has has been just torched, and especially their cornerbacks, specifically their cornerbacks, have been torched for the last six or seven weeks. Is there anything that Mike Zimmer and the defense can do to make the lives of quarterbacks more difficult down the stretch here? That's a good question. I mean, you always can find new blitzes and try to come up with things that these quarterbacks haven't seen and and all lines haven't seen. You know, they've been generally sort of a, you know, this is what we do and we have some different looks, but they aren't exotic or whatever. And and maybe you try to do some more exotic things, uh, in particular on those third and, you know, six pluses, third and third and eight pluses where a quarterback has to hold the football a little bit longer. He can't just sort of, sort of throw a hot route and get it out. And uh, and you can try to design something that gets to him. And, of course, you know, every time you do something like that, maybe give up a little bit uh, in the back end. But you know maybe try to play some sort of zone coverage out of it and, and have some D linemen dropping out and have guys you know sort of displacing and more zone coverage so those guys aren't just getting you know one-on-one uh, you know, by themselves, uh, and you know, teams can just sort of pick on those guys on you know on, on the the go routes and the stop routes and the slants and those type of things on the outside, which they've been struggling with this year. I was watching the end of the the Broncos comeback on on Sunday, and Jaron Curse obviously stepping up and and making some big plays in the absence of Harrison Smith. And too often, people in our industry, Sage, and and people who call into shows like this. They want to switch a guy from one position to another, and they think that that's just something that pro athletes can do, and it's it's an easy transition from safety to cornerback, or sometimes in baseball people think anybody can play first base. I try to stay out of that trap. I try not to be that guy, but I was watching that on Sunday and seeing what J. Ron Kirst did, and I'm at a point where if I'm a Vikings fan... I just want I just want the best four or five guys, depending on the package, out there on the field, and and I, I want to see more J. Ron Curse. Can he help with some of the problems that that they've had so far, specifically the deep ball? Well, yeah. Well, and you like guys that can both uh, uh, tackle and cover, and you know I'm not sure about him guarding wide receivers. He is lanky. I mean, he is a different look. He mm-hmm. is not built like Trey Wayne's, who's smaller, and Rhodes, who's sort of thicker but doesn't have that you know that height then i mean I, I think uh he's was he six three six four i mean he's pretty long i definitely like him as a safety that can match up on a tight end uh that that's where i like him because he does have some really good corner skills but i like how you know you have a taller safety matching up on usually a taller guy at that tight end position so when this team decides to go man to man i like maybe curse playing a little bit more uh, than even like a Sandejo uh, in man-to-man coverage, in particular on the tight end position. So that might be something that they change up a little bit going forward, uh, is have him in uh, you know a little bit more because I think he has played well. And, and usually you know you have to sort of earn your way to play in this league, and and uh, and, and he's played you know pretty well I think this year when he, when he's been called upon. And also you just look at what and I'm not trying to come down on anybody, but you just look at the results on the field from Xavier Rhodes to Trey Waynes to Mike Hughes. Those three guys just is haven't Holton, gotten the job done to this is, point. Is Holton Hill 
going to you know be thrown in there at some point and and I thought he played decently well uh, when he got that that chance a few weeks ago after coming off his suspension I thought he played pretty well last year so you know I'm not sure maybe they try Mackenzie Alexander or something on the outside move somebody on the inside maybe they decide to go with more straight matchups which which is what they did this past week where for most of the season they've been more of left and right corners so you know they're looking for answers you got to think they got to change some things up where it's a little bit of scheme or personnel i know j ron curse has found himself on the field when they play that big nickel package where he's basically a hybrid cornerback linebacker that but that doesn't really help with what's been the main problem which is the deep ball that does that doesn't address that problem does it if you go to that package no, it doesn't really address that, and I, I always like those big nickel, uh, you know, type of deals or teams that play really three safeties is really what we're talking about. You know, if, if you look at when when people talk about nickel defense, usually the the one of the three linebackers comes off the field and some sort of DB type comes in uh, as that sort of nickel will position, sort of like almost like a third linebacker. Some teams want that guy to be more of a man to man guy uh, to, to to cover that that slot receiver who's so good on third down. Other teams like to play it where uh, the guy's more of a safety type and he's better against the run. Uh, again, it also can you know guard tight ends because a lot of times those guys are not just guarding slot guys but also tight ends. And so, yeah, he, he adds some versatility to the mix uh, because of his body size. The other thing about that Seahawks team, and I, I know their defense obviously isn't what it was at one time, but one thing they do well, Jadavian Clowney specifically, is they, they get after quarterbacks. We saw it on primetime a, a few weeks ago where that defense basically – turn the whole game around with a, a couple of forced fumbles. Is that is that a major concern for you, going back to what we were talking about in the first segment of the show, oh. of what happens to Kirk Cousins when the pocket collapses a little bit? Clowney's an issue, and uh, he, he's a real issue, and he does move around. He doesn't just stay in one spot. So uh, you know, they're going to have the, some game planning for him for sure. He's a game wrecker type of guy, especially with a quarterback like Cousins, who uh, you know he gets an, an edge or whatever, and they, he's got those long arms to knock the ball out of his hands, and that happens to Kirk you know, too often. They do have a plus-six turnover ratio this year, uh, so they get more turnovers than they give up, and, and that's uh, a concern. But I tell you what, the, the secondary is no longer the Legion of Doom. They are 28th in the league Oof. in pass defense. Now, I always try to, you know, well, what is that? Well, they're eight and two, which means they're winning games, which means that other teams are throwing the ball more, and they're, right. you know, they're giving up yards too. So I always try to take that in, into account. But twenty eighth is is not, you know, fifteenth or twentieth. Uh, well, that you know that league that 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 group used to be one of the best uh, in the NFL, if not the best. And so, uh, you know, that might, that might be interesting. I don't know. Is there any word on the Adam Thielen coming back? Because man, that would be great to have him back uh, and go against what it looks like a pretty weak secondary. I don't think they've said anything about that, and I don't, I don't think they would 10 days beforehand. But 10 days away, I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, Sage, but it, it sounds to me like this we might be looking at a shootout between these two teams. Yeah, it should be interesting. You know, neither defense is, has played great this year, and the secondary seemed to be a bit of a weakness. So, yeah, it might be a passing game, uh, you know, passing style game uh, with, you know, quarterbacks with really high completion percentages. But, you know, they, they both have generally had good defensive lines in the past, and, and obviously it's it's a lot of fun watching uh, Russell Wilson play. I, I'm looking forward to that matchup and see if this D, uh, uh, Daniel Hunter and, and Everson and the crew, if they can get after him because he is a really good quarterback. He's a guy that can extend plays. Uh, he's unbelievably accurate uh, down the field on deep balls. Maybe the best of anyone in the league of, of hitting guys down the field. But he's missing that 
that number one wide receiver, and uh, you know that's a real, real issue. And and uh, that's sort of been his go-to guy for the last few years. And to not have him, uh, not only have a rookie as your number one wide receiver, that's a big drop off. It's uh, Purple Daily with Sage Rosenfels, Rami Makloff in the TCL Broadcast Studios. You can see us streaming live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook at SKOR North. There were a few stories around the league I want to get your thoughts on, Sage. Starting with Mitchell Trubisky, I know you're the Trubisky expert for 670 the score down in Chicago, and he was the center of some controversy on Sunday night when he was removed from the game with under two minutes left, and it looked like a benching, and then they said there apparently was a hip injury. I'm not here, and I don't think anybody's here to call Matt Nagy a liar blatantly, just outright accuse the man of lying. But some things aren't adding up to me and others in this whole thing, Sage. Like, he told the training staff, the medical staff, before halftime that he had this hip thing. Matt Nagy then says he found out about it two series before he was pulled. And the last call that Matt Nagy made for Mitchell Trubisky before he pulled him from the game was a uh, a read option where he could have had to run with the ball had he read the defense that way. What, what do you make of all that? Do you think he was benched and we're not getting the full story here? Man, there there is a lot to unpack with this one. Uh, yeah, for one, the play happened right at the end of the first half, and he played basically the whole second half until replaced with what four or five minutes left in the game, or something like that. Maybe three minutes left in the game. So, uh, you know, he didn't come out right away. They're, they'd scored seven points in three and a half quarters of football. Uh, they're down by two scores. The game really is over, and he gets replaced, and it becomes this whole, you know, why I was replaced. I, I will say this. Um, I watch a lot of Bears games. Mitchell Trubisky has his challenges. He's not the greatest quarterback in the world. There's some times where he's not good at all. He misses guys who are who are wide open, makes makes some bad reads. There are times where he does things that I'm like, wow, that that was a heck of a play. He is a heck of an athlete, and he's a guy that sometimes can extend plays and and uh, and and does have a big arm and, and and can make some good throws and or whatever. But I will say this: that offense, I would hate to play in. That's just me personally. So that offense is the opposite of the Vikings offense of what we talked about at the top of the show of the quarterback just sort of has to be the executor and everyone. Are, I mean, the offensive line is really bad. Uh, they don't run the football at all. He's in shotgun all the time. He has to be sort of like the Steve Nash, uh, uh, you know, of that offense where it's constantly wheeling and dealing and making things happen. They ran two bootlegs in the game last week. One he ran for five yards, and the other one he threw a 15-yard comeback. Why aren't they trying to run more bootlegs and get him out of the pocket? He's not a very good pocket passer, but yet they're just in shotgun. They leave him in the pocket. He's trying to read things out, and he's getting terrible amount of pressure from his offensive line who there's no threat to run uh, against them. There's rarely a, a, a rollout or a bootleg, so that line just knows where he's going to be. That's not a good situa- situation to be in. That's not the quarterback's fault. That's coaching, and I'm a big sort of believer from what I see that, you know, I understand it. Nagy has his system. He's coming from the Andy Reid thing. They have Patrick Mahomes, completely different deal there, completely different deal. You can't treat and him like Patrick Mahomes. You can't treat him not. like Patrick Mahomes. Right. You can't treat Kirk Cousins like Patrick Mahomes either. So I look at Trubisky and I go, I wonder what he would be like yes. in this Minnesota offense. I'm not trying to say the Vikings should chase him or whatever, but this offense or the Rams offense or some of these other offenses that they run a lot of this bootleg stuff and they can get him on the edge and he's not sitting in that pocket. He can hand the ball off. He can do play action in which sometimes there's really wide open guys in play action. They never throw the ball down the field unless they're basically just straight go routes because they don't do any play action. So there's it's hard 
hard to throw the ball down the field when you're in the pocket. It just really is. And and, uh, and the Vikings, I think, do a great job of helping out their quarterback, and the Bears do a terrible job of making life easy on their quarterback. And and to me, that's Matt Nagy. And uh, so I'm not a not, not much of a fan. I have not seen much. I I'm starting to go back to maybe last year. It was that sort of one-hit wonder first year. Things sort of went their way, but really their defense won them the vast majority of those games last year, way more than their offense, and Vic Fangio's now gone, and, and that defense hasn't been quite as good. Uh, so I sort of you know go, you know maybe part of the problem isn't just the quarterback. Maybe it's just as much, maybe even more, it's the head coach and offensive coordinator. You know, Sage, sometimes in this line of work that I'm in, I, I say things into microphones, and I'm driving home later at night, and I'm like, were you right, or was that a stupid thing that you just said into that microphone to thousands of people? But then people like you come on, much smarter than me, and say essentially the same thing because my 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 take on on uh on mitchell trubisky has been essentially what i told you it was for kirk cousins only it's more important because he's a young developing quarterback and that is he will be as good as what is happening around him and i don't know what mitchell trubisky's ceiling is i'm not even saying he could be a good quarterback i'm saying we don't know because the guys the the, the infrastructure and the pieces around him that were supposed to develop him and foster that growth have simply just not been there. Well, I have a Starting question. with Matt Nagy. As a, as a fan, I guess a media member uh, of somebody who watches the team, but you know, probably can probably agree, you don't have like deep, deep knowledge of how offense and defense exactly sure. works and precision and all those things. When you watch a Vikings game, uh, do you see where like the the pieces in the, of the puzzle sort of fit together. You've got this run, and yes. you've got the, the the play action, and you actually can see them develop sometimes. You can see the stretch. You can see the defense getting out of position. That Kyle Rudolph touchdown, wide open. Right. Why, but that has to do with the details in the running game and the other tight end and, and all these things. And some coaches, I think, do it a much, much better job than others. And I watched that Chicago game. And to me, it looks like it's a team that just runs these various plays out there, trying to get guys open, but they're just sort of these random plays, and one doesn't have anything to do with the other, and formationally or whatever, they're just all these plays that the quarterback has to figure out what's going on. And I don't know you know, if Peyton Manning would have that much success in that style of offense. The, the tight ends are, or the, the, the offensive line is constantly by themselves. They are constantly in sort of a five-man look where there's no attached tight end or receiver, and those guys are all out wide. That is a tough place to be. That means in running game, you're going to have to block a defenseman by yourself, no double team. Uh, everything's going to be sort of one-on-ones. And one-on-ones advantage defense when you get an offensive line in one-on-one situations. And uh, I just think they, 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 that the coordinator, the head coach, puts that offense and the quarterback, the offensive line, uh, in really tough situations. And those two are the toughest spots to play Offensive line and, and quarterback, I try to. If I was like, I try to make their life as easy as possible, and I think this system uh, really does that for Minnesota. One more thing I want to touch on before we wrap up Purple Daily with Sage Rosenfels here on Score North today. We have sort of the the next development in the whole Miles Garrett drama. He uh, appealed his suspension today, and he's using he's using a precedent based appeal of a suspension handed down a few a uh, few years ago 
to a, a Houston Texans player who did the same thing, essentially, that Miles Garrett did. It was Antonio Smith in 2013. He was suspended for two preseason games and one regular season game for swinging his helmet at uh, then-Dolphins offensive lineman Richie Incognito. Where, where do you fall on, on what should happen with Miles Garrett in this whole thing? Because well, my take was people kind of overreacted in the immediate aftermath of this thing, and I think some of that was that it was on the national stage of Thursday Night Football and the whole football-watching country saw it yeah so a, a couple things go in one uh what what did antonio smith get he, he got, got couple... he, he was suspended for two preseason games and one regular season game okay okay so really one game yes, really because like, he yeah. probably doesn't you care about the preseason um i think part of that reason is probably because he did it to richie incognito <laughs> everybody was like good wish that landed he probably deserved it <laughs> uh, type of thing. But uh, his was also more of like a half jab, I would say, because I, I saw that video on Twitter, and, and his was not this, like, overhead roundhouse, you know, over-the-top uh, uh, you know, like he was doing a kettlebell workout. Yeah, to yeah. a quarterback, right? Uh, uh, you know, which, but it's it, to me, it almost makes me go back to like the Ray Rice situation. Um, you know, if that would have happened in a practice, like. You know, maybe some sort of disciplinary action inside the team or whatever. You do that on national television on a Thursday night game. We are going to, uh, uh, you know, way sort of jump over the top, and and we really have to calm down. I think the indefinitely situation. I mean, I, I, does it sound like he's going to be out for the entire year? Well, the initial they, initially when they said indefinitely, they said the rest of the regular season and the playoffs should the Browns make it, and then they would take it from there. Yeah, I, I think that that'll be the end of it at, at that point. Do you think I he mean, will get the full rest of the season suspension? Um, I, I don't know. I you know the NFL really has. They have everything to gain by keeping them out because you you want to set a really high precedent, uh, and they high they you know I wish they would set this high a precedent on like you know spousal abuse or, or things like that, um, but uh, they this is on you know the fact is on national television that changes everything again. With the Ray Rice thing, it was like oh, oh it was two games. Oh wait, we saw the video right. Everyone saw the bit. Now we have to go over the they're, top, and the guys. They're doing what stop. the NFL always does, which is they are they are doling out punishment yes, based on completely inconsistent, based on reaction rather than the action of the player that they're suspending. And you know what? What's interesting is that Roger Goodell's dad was a senator. Isn't that just interesting? <laughs> to like, isn't that just amazing? Right out like, of the well, political let's, playbook. Let's just not actually go off of what you know. Uh, uh, well, let's just go. Let's just see what the what, what the what the flavor of the uh, of the wind is blowing or whatever. And we'll make our decision based off that. And I think the sort of open-ended thing uh, that they said indefinitely um, it sort of allows them some wiggle room to try to you know see what see what direction the wind's blowing uh, in you know in a month and a half. And the other thing that happened today, because everybody's back at practice after the the usual Tuesday off for NFL teams, is at Steelers camp. Mason Rudolph basically accepted and owned his part of the blame for what happened, which I was saying on Friday and getting killed for on these airwaves. But almost simultaneously, while he was saying that in a different room in the Steelers facility, Mike Tomlin was basically saying, my team didn't do anything wrong, so I don't know what we can learn from this. Well, you know, it's Tomlin back and his players, and I, I, you know, I don't know Mason Rudolph much. He's a Big Twelve guy, so I'm rooting for him a little bit. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I like it when guys take ownership of their mistakes. We all make mistakes sometimes on Twitter, sometimes on whatever. Uh, we we make mistakes, and it's nice to own up to them. You know, there 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 were two people in that fight. 
but uh, only one of them had a helmet in his hand. It was sure. tomahawking the other person who didn't have a helmet. So uh, he had his wrong in it for sure. And uh, you know, that's uh, I'm glad no one got hurt. Sage, I enjoyed this. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Yeah, if you, it was a lot of fun. I don't know if you want Matthew Collar back or not. But anytime you want to do this, I am. I am. I am free and available, sir. You bring up fewer stats than Matthew. <laughs> you do. That's stats. Sage Rosenfels, our journeyman QB here at Score North. I'm Rami Makloff. This has been Purple Daily. If you missed any portion of it, ScoreNorth.com, ScoreNorth mobile app, anywhere you download podcast. Bonus hour of Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. If you're listening live. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.